when you reconnect with yourself and you hear some deeper voice inside of you, and to do that, you have to make space in your life. You've got to interrupt all the chaos and the busyness and your patterns of thinking and your patterns of emotion, your patterns of just doing and busyness. But when you do that and you're guided in the right way to ask important questions and then take the time to hear that voice inside of you, then it's a deep reconnection inside of yourself. But you're also getting practical information for your life, practical clarity. This is Superfast Business with James Schramko. James Helping you build your business super fast. James Schramko here. Welcome back to Superfast Business. This is episode 901. And today we're going to go a little sort of more spiritual, I suppose. And for that, I've brought along a new friend of mine. You know how they always say, oh, a good friend of mine. Well, this is a new friend of mine, but he's already a good friend, and I'll explain more about that in a minute. But welcome to this call, Rick. Good to have you. Hello, James. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Hello, everybody. Now, we're actually neighbors. You know, if I'd thought about this more, we could have been doing this in our own studio here because you literally live just around the corner. And um, it's a funny story how we met. I wondered if you wanted to share that. I would love to because I've shared this story a few times because it kind of goes in line with the theme of my work and how I love to live life. So I'd heard about you years ago through a mutual client of ours, Adam Guthrie, and he's since become a friend and we've become surf buddies when we're in the same place and I've caught up in Bali. And so he put me on to you and I've listened to some of your podcasts over the years. About maybe four years ago, I switched everything, my site, my membership program and everything over to 10X Pro. That's also because of your suggestions. So there was already a connection with you there, but you had no idea who I was. And one of my recent projects has been reaching out to people who have podcasts to be a guest on their podcast. And I had a list that I'd created, mostly suggestions from my past clients of podcasts that they like. And one day I was sitting there looking at the list. This was about two months ago. And one name popped into my mind. I thought, I'm going to add that to the list. It's in a note on my computer, on my phone. So I typed James Shramko onto that list. The next morning, I meet my girlfriend down at the beach. And we live near each other. It's like one beach entrance apart. So I normally surf at my beach entrance. But when my girlfriend goes to the beach with her dog, that's the dog beach. So I go down there. I met them down there early in the morning, like just after sunrise. And we're playing in the shallows. And this guy comes walking in from the surf and I kind of look at him and I do a double take and I'm like, that looks like James Shramko. And you walked by and I said, I got to say hi, I got to see if it's you. We'd never met before. And I said, hey, are you James? You turn around and looked at me, go, yeah. And I said, hey, I'm Rick Cowley. I'm friends with Adam Guthrie. That's how I know who you are. And what are you doing? Are you on holidays? And you said, no, moved here a little while ago. And I just thought, okay, that's pretty out there because I thought I kind of assumed you were in Sydney. And uh, we just said, hey, well, maybe we'll see each other in the surf sometime. And I went back and I told my girlfriend, I didn't tell you at the time because I didn't want to sound like a creep, but I told my girlfriend that I wrote down one guy's name to this podcaster's list yesterday, James Shramko, that's him. <laughs> and we both, we both just sat there, you know, stood there and, and looked at each other and went, shook our heads just going, whoa, this is one of those cosmic moments. And then I found you on Facebook and I just sent a message to you and said, hey, this is me. If you, know, if you ever want to reach out, go surf or whatever. And then you added me to the signal group that you have of a few buddies, surf buddies. And we went surfing maybe you know, the next day or a couple of days later. And then since then, we've probably surfed 15 times together. 
And you've gotten me out in the ocean on days when I wouldn't have normally surfed because I'm a spoiled surfing brat from living in Bali most of the last eight years. And the surf around here is a far cry from that. But you get me out there and we've been doing this kind of like, you know, I give you surf tips. You're giving me business tips. We're collaborating in the water. We're collaborating in business. And it's just been incredible. And then to have you invite me to the podcast and be here today is a culmination of that kind of, well, it's been a journey over many years, knowing who you are, to writing your name down, to meeting you, to befriending you, to surfing with you, to collaborating in some work stuff, and then be talking to you. That's the story. So I just wanted to share that. That's great. That's your half of the story. And you know, from my side of the story, yeah, this guy, this complete stranger is like a huge James. And you know, I don't consider myself that famous or well-known, right? It's pretty rare. I've had someone approach me in Thailand when I'm getting on a plane, say, are you James? And I'm like, yeah. And says, I'm listening to you on my podcast right now. Like, you know, I had the earphones in. Pretty rare sightings, right? Unless I go to a conference or something where there's a huge bunch of my audience. So it's kind of random. But I went back and I was like, I was going to get in touch with Adam and say, I met this guy called Rick at the beach. You know, who is he? But then you sent me a message and then, of course, we've been able to catch up. When we were surfing, you said, hey, listen, do you mind uh, if I see something you could improve? Do you want me to tell you? And I said, please, you know, I'm all up for improvement. You know, I've got to use every advantage I can because I'm getting older. I started late and uh, I can't waste time on this. I want to improve. And I found out you actually were a surf instructor. And that was like, okay, that's pretty good. So I've somehow landed in this foreign place. My biggest challenge at that time, unbeknownst to you, was that I'm surfing by myself every day. I went from a crowded place where I was surfing with 150 people <laughs> to just me. It's just me in the ocean every day. I'm trying to figure out where to surf and when to surf. And I know if I hit my head on the board, I'm probably going to drown and die. It's a reality. Unless one of the kind dog people who's always on the beach, you know, come and grab me. Hopefully they would. So that was my biggest challenge. Like I basically went from crowded to nobody. And I had a really strong group in Sydney, my surf group. My friend Lloyd started that group. He's, he's often on the show. And so I've got this great heritage now of meeting fantastic people in the surf. People who surf are different and they've got a connection. The surfing community is good. So you and Michael and Ferdy, our other group members, we've been surfing at different occasions. And you opened up a whole world for me. I almost brought it up here into the room, my barrel board. Mm-hmm. You know, I kept taking my training board. The last time I had a surf instructor, which was five years ago, he said, you must ride the same board every day to get better on this board. So I did that automatically. When you started surfing with me, I kept taking the same board so that I could improve. And you taught me the extra paddle, the extra stroke to get into the wave and a few other things. And then before you know it, the cyclone came and hit. Because as you said, the waves could be a bit mushy out the front. I didn't really know where the other places were. I was like literally the only person out there. Like I'm just that enthusiastic. And then the cyclone came, all the points lit up, and these big, massive barreling waves are rolling down through the points that were they're normally like one foot tall, like this big. And next thing you know, they're just like as tall as your roof, right? Just to explain to a, a normal person. Imagine that you walk outside your one-story house and you look up at where the gutters are. That's how big the waves look. And they were rolling through, and I just, I just couldn't believe it. And there was like at least a 1,000 people in there, not even joking. I took my motorbike, and I got gridlocked for an hour. Like I couldn't even get a motorbike through the traffic, let alone the cars that were parked there. Right? It was like a queue for a passport check-in point or something. Anyway, I basically uh, I paddled into the waves and – 
I jumped off the rock and paddled into and took like seven bombs on the head, which is not good, by the way, if you're not a surfer. This is bad, really bad. I was exhausted and then I just got swept back to the beach and then I went back around for another go and uh, didn't catch much of anything. And then the third time, third time's a charm, I was out wide because it was just too packed. Like every wave coming, there's three people on it and they're just coming at you like with fins and sharp bits of board aiming at you. I sat right out wide and I looked out and I do this thing. I can't even explain it, but when I'm paddling, I just, I think, I close my eyes, I think about a number. And the number comes up, and then I paddle that number of strokes. This probably sounds really dumb, right? But I, I came up with a number. I think it was like 38. And I paddled 38 strokes, and then I just sat and waited. And out in the distance was this huge, big line of swell coming down. And I could see it was too wide for the other people. And someone paddled for it and missed it. And then there was no one between the wave and me. And I'm like, this is my wave. This is it. This is the one. And I did the extra paddle stroke down on the, and the board that I had is probably a little small for the size wave that I was on for my ability because I'm not a very good surfer. And I'd somehow stuck the landing. I'm like, oh my God, I'm on the wave. And now I'm threading through the crowds. And then eventually it just starts to just arc up. And I could see out of the corner of my eye, it just went up. And then down to the left, I could see all this whitewash coming along. I'm like, oh my God, I'm in the barrel. And after I got dumped, I actually, I uh, think I broke my finger. I think the leg rope gave it a good sort of a crimp on the 1st of January this was. So, you know, like six weeks later, it's still, I've had to tape it to the other finger for six weeks to try and, uh, you'll see it in some of my other podcasts. That's why I broke my finger. But as I went back to the beach, because it was really intense to even to get back to the beach without being guillotined by the next sets coming through or the other people flying off the end of the wave. I just felt this overcome with emotion. It was like eight years of build-up of anticipation, and it was so hard for me to get my first barrel, but it happened. And Rick, you were the enabler of that. If I had not done my Rick sessions of training in the weeks prior, it wouldn't have happened. I wouldn't have been fit enough. I wouldn't have had the technique enough, and it just wouldn't have happened. So big thank you for that. It was, it was up there with childbirth for me in terms of emotional level of significant marriage, childbirth. It's like, it's in the top three. And um, because of that, you know, like unbeknownst to you, I wrote an email out to my whole audience and said, listen, this guy, Rick, there's something about him. He's just got this great vibe. And, you know, as we serve, I get finding out what you do and you help people to discover themselves. So I don't know all the right terms for this, so I hope you'll correct me in a moment. <laughs> a lot of the people I deal with have been sort of chipping away at it. You know, it's like me trying to get my barrel, like they're chipping away, but getting frustrated and not quite having the right technique or not quite knowing how to go about it. And you're like that guide that comes in and just says, look, try this or try that or, you know, and you've got this gentle nature about you and this calm, confident, relaxed approach that just draws you in. But I basically recommended to my audience who are often just worn out and needing a bit of a reset that you're that guy that can help them on a, on a life side of things. Like some people don't even know what they want, and that's pretty common. Other people feel like they've somehow got off track. Maybe they've followed the wrong goals, and I talk about this in other episodes. They're pursuing that Lamborghini or the big baller mansion, or they want bling around their neck, or like they just feel shallow and empty. They get the money, but they're not happy. And of course, throw in a whole sort of pandemic and potential world wars and political blah, blah, blah. Like People are just, they're just exhausted, and you just come in with the reset button you know 
have you tried turning it off and on again? And so I sent this email out and a whole bunch of my clients um, joined into your program. I'm going to hope you describe sort of what that program is because I, in fairness, I haven't been through the program, but I got more of a personal Rick experience. I had enough of a taste to know that you've been a positive influence in my own life. I would say I'm definitely not I'm really not a train wreck in the first place, right? I'm very, I'm already well set up in terms of where I'm at and what I want and how things are going. I'm, I'm in a, such a good place, but you still enhance that. So I can only imagine how helpful that would be for someone who needs that even more. So I'm going to hand over to you and just sort of ask you to sort of run through a few of, and keep in mind my audience, the people who I've sent across to you via that email who came into your program. I just want to say this. And this doesn't happen very often. It's only happened a few times when I've promoted something, but they actually get in touch with me after and they say, you know, thank you so much for the introduction to Rick. It's been absolutely incredible. It's exactly what I needed. It's been an amazing experience. They often use the word journey. I think I've had this, um, you know, it's like overwhelming feedback of people with uh, flowing with gratitude and I guess like me, they're just lucky they bumped into you and I was the specific device in that case. And the aim of this podcast, I mean, firstly, it's great that it fulfills a loop that you opened up with your intention. What a moment. It's also for me, gratitude saying, well, Rick, thank you for my first barrel opportunity. And subsequently to that, you took me to another special place that I've never been to before. We had quite the journey to get there. We had to endure hot tarmac. We had to walk over Hot coals that would make an Anthony Robbins firewalk experience look like just cruising around on your carpet, like it was treacherous. Narrow paths with steep drops. And then at the end, just you get some slippery boulders to scurry across into waves that were well overhead and had potential to do harm. And in the sessions you and I went, we did two in a row. I got the longest wave I've ever caught in my life and I got the fastest wave I've ever caught in my life. And I would say that that wave is by far the best wave that I've ever surfed anywhere on the planet. And I've surfed in lots of different places. And I shared that experience with you. And you even sacrificed part of your scalp for me yeah. <laughs> in that journey. I remember you copped a fin to the head. Hopefully that's healed up and, yeah. and uh, all good. Luckily, I'm mostly bald. So. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, clearly this episode has a strong personal influence you know, and it might seem like a waste of time talking about all this fluffy stuff before we really get into what Rick does and how he does it. But to know my experience probably tells you the most that you could learn about the point, the point of all this. I think you need someone like Rick in your life to balance and center you, who's more chilled than you are and more experienced at helping you find yourself because we just get so frizzed up and wound up and numbed with too much inputs. So, Rick, Tell us a little bit about the kind of experiences that you've been helping my clients go through this year that we're recording and why are they so positive about it? Like what's happened to them? All right. Well, to go back to one of your earlier points when you said the work that I do is about finding yourself and then you said, I don't have the right terminology for it and I don't have the right terminology for it either, partly because it is rather cosmic or spiritual what happens, even though we don't really use those words. But when you reconnect with yourself and you hear some deeper voice inside of you, and to do that, you have to make space in your life. You've got to interrupt all the chaos and the busyness and your patterns of thinking and your patterns of emotion, your patterns of just doing and busyness. 
But when you do that and you're guided in the right way to ask important questions and then take the time to hear that voice inside of you, then it's a deep reconnection inside of yourself. But you're also getting practical information for your life, practical clarity. So everyone comes for different reasons. There's usually some main categories that people come. The commonalities are that people are usually they're achievers. They've created a successful business or a few. Sometimes I get, you know, artists and actors and performers and things like that and professionals, but the most common is entrepreneurs. You know, they already have this commitment to freedom in their life and to take on more responsibility for their life and to be more self-directed and a willingness to take on more risk as well. That's just comes with the territory of being an entrepreneur. So that kind of personality type thrives in the process that I've created. And they're also at a crossroads in their life. And this could be a crossroads where they've just walked their path to the end. You know, maybe they've seen a business through and sold it and now they're going, what's next for me? Or maybe they've had a loss in their life, you know, the death of a loved one or an illness scare or even a financial upset. And something has happened that's like a wake up call in their life that's kind of shaking them and going, hey, you're either you're not going to be here forever or the life that you live so far, that's got to change. Like you've well-worn that path. There's nothing more for you there. Something's got to change. So they're on this brink of a new chapter in their life, which is exciting, but it's also terrifying. And often there are many choices. There are many potential paths they could take, which even adds to the stress because they're going, I can see myself going down that path. I could see that path. I could see that path. And they don't know which one to choose. And then of course, sometimes people are just going, I have no idea. You know, I sit down and I think about it and I try to journal about it. And I'm just no clearer than I was, you know, a year ago. And they may have even done things like, okay, I'm just going to go on a trip for a month or six months. I'm just going to go find myself and I'm going to go do yoga and I'm going to, you know, meet with teachers and all this stuff. And they finish the trip six months later and they're going, I had a good time, but now I'm even more stressed because I don't have the clarity that I was looking for. And from what I've found, it's really difficult to get that deeper clarity in our lives. And what really inspired the process for me was I had a a very unusual experience when I was 21 years old where I got very sick and I had been living in Indonesia actually for over a year um, doing a university exchange program got extremely sick, had to island hop my way back through Bali and Java where I'd been living and then ended up back in Hawaii. We cut our trip short. My dear friend, Brian was with me from California where I'm from originally. And it was in Hawaii that I was diagnosed with leukemia. It was about a year long process of healing and different medicines and alternative treatments and chemotherapy. But um, I was given my life back through that experience. And I was young enough to where I could do anything with my life. I was 20, 21 years old. And I had a kind of a mentor slash psychologist slash spiritual broker that I saw through that experience. And he taught me through exercises and discussions how to reconnect with that voice inside myself, to listen to my truth and have the courage to act on what I heard. And there's something about when you're facing a potentially terminal illness, you don't waste time. And the things that used to scare you, they don't scare you anymore. It's like you just become fearless and almost like it's like life is an experiment of like, oh my gosh, this path kind of scares me. 
in the past, I might not have taken it, but what do you have to lose? You know, you don't know if you're going to be around in six months or a year or one month. So it was such a, um, a liberating experience and an empowering experience. And I stopped wasting time going, you know, I went back to university for a year, but then I realized I don't want to be in university. That was my parents' expectation of me that I go to university. I don't like it. <laughs> I'm not going to waste my time doing that. And that kind of leap was just the beginning of many, many leaps of following what I really wanted to do in my life. And you know, I've had many different incarnations in my life, but traveling has always been at the core of it, surfing. And I'd started you know, different businesses over the years and had a surf school in California and had a surf camp in Mexico and had a an amazing adventurous journey and met an Australian woman and we had two kids and just had a pretty amazing journey. But I knew that I had more to offer people, even though I was taking people on amazing, you know, surf adventures in Mexico with my family and it was inspiring for them. And it was really a, a memorable experience for them. I knew that I could work with people in a deeper way. And out of that desire and that calling came the first re retreat that I ever ran, which that one was for young adult cancer survivors, because I was actually scared to start doing deeper work with people. I had never done it. And so I had the same self-doubts that everyone has of, you know, my life needs to be more perfect before I can really help people. I need to have made more money. I need to have a you know, bigger house and a nicer car. Like, you know, all this nonsense that has nothing to do with making a difference for people and following your true calling. And that first retreat was just a confirmation. It was magical. It was powerful. And that redirected my life where I was like, okay, this is going to play a big part in my life. And that became, you know, about five more cancer survivor retreats. And then when my wife and I separated, then I moved to Bali and kind of reinvented my life there and ran the retreats there and just opened it up to professionals and entrepreneurs. And so it's been, you know, a journey of 50 plus retreats and improving and refining the process every time creating the online version of the Vision Quest about six years ago, recently revamped the whole process kind of in the middle of the pandemic when I had time. So that's kind of like the birthplace of the process. And really at the heart of it, it's like, if you had a life-threatening illness or a life-threatening accident and had that kind of a wake-up call, how would your life change? Who would you be? What's your purpose? What's your calling? And being able to silence the fear that normally stops people from even getting that clarity. So silencing the fear so they get the clarity and then their connection to this vision that surfaces is so strong that the fear that normally would hold you back is like, it's lost its punch. You know, it still niggles you and pushes your buttons, but it's kind of more like you slap it away and go, what else would I do with my life? Like, this is what I'm here to do. This is what I most want to do. And it's surprising for people because when you do the online version, it's so simple. It's interrupting the patterns in your life. And you, you do things like you give up caffeine and you give up alcohol. So you can really slow down and hear this deeper voice inside of you and not be like jacking yourself up and then like numbing yourself down at night. It's like, put those things aside and just reconnect with your natural state, your natural energy. And then you do the work first thing in the morning. So you're kind of groggy. It's okay. You know, you, you do 5.30 to 6.30 a.m., which I just found over the years was the best time to be able to hear that inner voice. 
It's before you've kickstarted your personality, before you've seen any messages on your phone, which totally can hijack your mind and your attention and make you worry about things and plan things that don't have anything to do with your true path, what you really want in life. And then the, the actual work is just a, it's a 20 minute meditative audio lesson followed by a writing exercise. And this simple formula is based on the concepts that kept coming up over and over at the retreats around finding this clarity and acting it and actually walking your true path in your life and your work. And then the writing exercises were just questions that had made a profound difference in my life. And then it through the retreats, I was just trying questions, using questions that had worked with me, using questions that participants thought up because I get to work with some amazing people, successful entrepreneurs, people who've taken risks, people who've done extraordinary things, people who've done lots of personal growth. And so everyone brought their own, the best of their own processes to the retreat. So I was like keeping these gems. And probably the thing that makes it most unique is the sequence of it. Because what I found is that because of that fear that people have, that even stops them from getting the clarity, that fear is so clever. And it's fear that was put into us by school, our parents, you know, this totally, in my opinion, untrue vision version of success of like just playing the game and doing what you're told and fitting in. It's just like, you know, success in school was like, you show up every day, you show up on time, you do the work you're told to do. You only ask the questions that they want, <laughs> you know, you answer it how they want it to be answered. And that's success. But then when people enter the real world and they, they're then responsible for their own happiness, that's why there's so many people who are successful, but they're not fulfilled. They don't feel connected to what's important to them. So this sequence works in very sneakerit ways. That's a term that my five-year-old son coined. He says, I'm going to sneak up on my sister sneakerly. And so I put that in this philosophy because we have to do things that almost trick that fearful voice and get it to not only be quiet, but then actually come onto your side and be an active participant in discovering these gems that are inside of you. It's like going on a treasure hunt. And when you silence that properly, then all of you is on board with letting these answers come up to the surface and revealing all the puzzle pieces of your life's vision. So that's why it becomes this experience that it becomes very profound. You know, some use the word spiritual or cosmic and is able to catalyze change in your life rather than just being something that was like interesting and cool. But now what? Whoa, that was a, <laughs> that was a rant. <laughs> No, it's like the most chilled and relaxed rant I've ever heard. It, it just, it's really fascinating. The last part there, we talk about how you can corral fear and get it to work on your side. That sounds very interesting to me and it sounds very powerful because I've had this relationship with fear. I mean, one of the reasons I couldn't get a barrel initially was because every time I'm about to, I steer away from it because I fear getting squeezed by it or crushed and I have been smacked on the head with a lip before so I mean it's a real fear but understanding you have to do the counterintuitive thing and actually pull into the danger zone to get out of danger is sort of having experienced it now I suspect it's going to be easier for me in the future when our beach turns clean again and we're ready to do some of those rippable rick sessions oh by the way I also think Probably most people just have absolutely zero time when they're not 
getting distracted or numbed by devices or media or stimulants, etc., TV or whatever. Everyone does it. Hardly anyone just sits quietly and does nothing. I think that's what drew me into surfing is how analog it is. You know, from the time I'm walking down to the beach in bare feet without having to, to think about that much, it's when I do think about things in a different way. So putting time aside would probably have to be one of the first steps, no matter what you even do in that time. But even if you did nothing, having quiet time must be a good starting point for people. Can you tell us more about how you get fear on your side? Is that a technique that's explainable? It has to do with the sequence. And so in terms of when we start the writing exercises, we are focusing on, well, the steps are desire. So you got to have the desire to do this work because there are uncomfortable times. You know, being true, being true to yourself can get scary and can get uncomfortable. So you've got to have the desire to do this. You know, I've had years ago, I've had people show up at the retreat and like the only disasters were the times when someone didn't understand what it was. For example, one time a husband brought his wife to it and the husband was so frothing at the mouth to do this process. And we'd had a phone conversation about it. And he was like, yes, you know, I really want to do your process. He brought his wife. He didn't even tell her what it was. All she wanted to do was go to the Four Seasons and chill out. And he brings her to this. We did it on an island off of an island in Bali. Like, it's not like the Four Seasons, you know, it's beautiful, but there's some rough aspects to it. And she was not happy being there. And it was just a pain in the butt for all of us. You know, she was like a wet towel, you know, just hanging all over all of us. So you have to want to do it. And so everything, you know, on my website, and I have a phone call with everyone before they sign up just to make sure that they know what it is and that they want to be there. So you have to have a strong desire. Sounds like squid games. <laughs> yeah. Well, I haven't seen that. So I'm not sure what you mean by that, but... Don't worry. It's like, it's like yeah. the desire has to be extremely strong to want to go into that. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, because it turns into a life or death scenario. <laughs> but uh, right. in this case, right. we're really talking about your life in a way. It's like you said something before that I could really resonate with, and that's like the old path is worn out and there's nothing left for you. That's what happened to me in the automotive industry. And when I revisited it briefly a year or, or in 2020, when the start of the pandemic, I did a venture in the B2B space in that market and I hated it so much. It actually just brought back bad memories, lots of bad players in that game who still haven't progressed. And I realized this is an old chapter. It's like I picked an old book off the shelf, read it, like, no, I put it back. Actually, I burned it. <laughs> I got rid of six tubs of notes. I had the best notes of all the best templates and the best practices and everything that could have really at one point I was that close to buying a dealership that was my exit strategy and now I realize that's an old story it's an old chapter and I'm so far off that path now but when I tried it again I hated it but it was so visceral that it was extremely clear to me that I didn't like it I imagine some people aren't even aware that they're not happy with their current existence to the depth of how unhappy they actually are yeah yeah it's like a rut you just get yourself into a rut of what you know and it happens slowly over many years, you know, and it takes something for you to be actually that honest with yourself to go, mm -hmm. my soul is dying here. Like, I am not the person that I want to be. And it can happen quickly. Mm -hmm. I've been living in this place now for five months and I'm re-going around the whole place, resetting and organizing things again, because it only took a few months for things to get settled. And now 
Some of them might have been just temporarily put somewhere and now it has to find its purpose. It's got to be redeployed or removed or whatever. So it's, it can happen extremely quickly, that stasis. So what comes after desire in this process of um, turning fear? So then the next step is space. So in some way, you've got to make a special space in your life, you know, a special container where you're going to put tune out the distractions you don't reach for your phone. You don't reach for the coffee or the alcohol or the Netflix or whatever. You just make that space. And so, you know, the methods that I use are with the retreat where people are actually leaving home and they're coming in person. We make that space together. Or with the 28-day program, they're making that space. They're doing some special things in those whole 28 days. And then it's that first hour every morning is that really sacred space for tuning in and answering these questions. And then it's inner knowing. So it's what do you do in that space is making that stillness where you can hear the deeper voice inside of you. And that's where really good questions come in. But you can start to do that just with journaling and you can ask yourself questions. You know, what would you like to understand about yourself or about life? What changes would you like to see in your own life? And just start, you know, journaling what you hear. And you start to hear the difference between your mind and your ego and the fear and your inner knowing this deeper voice inside of you. It feels deeply right when that voice is speaking and writing it down is always really powerful. And then the first exercises that come up are around appreciation and gratitude and looking at how much you have accomplished and been given in your life. You're looking at your achievements and your blessings. And this really has a profound change, creates a change in viewpoint in your life. Because most of the time we're sitting here going, well, I don't have this and I'm not good enough at this and I need to learn, I need to improve and I need to change. (laughs) And I should be, you know, I should be miles down the track, you know, further and I'm not. And it's a, it's a really um, disempowering way to look at your life. Well, it's easy for that to occur if you participate in social media, for example, everyone you see on there is like significantly more successful than you so many more subscribers or so many more sales or this. It's got so much better pictures with famous people. I mean, I'm sure this happens to young girls with images and stuff and magazines and stuff. They've been talking about that or body image. It's really easy to get knocked out by trying to play that comparison game and uh, it's in your face all the time unless you create that technique to deal with it. Yeah, yeah, it, it's pounding you with external messages and then your stories about those messages. So it's just all this external input that's just yelling at you. And it's one of the things that makes it hard to hear your inner voice. So I have a few different levels of commitment for this course, but one of the levels of commitment is that you get off social media for this 28 days. And at the retreats, it's like a non-negotiable. And most people leave their phone in airplane mode the whole time or even off the whole time. And it's so powerful. And people always say, man, just doing that, I would have gotten a lot from. So that's part of making the space and being able to hear your inner knowing. And then you start to look at appreciation and you count the blessings in your life. And that, that it gives you this major viewpoint change and actually helps you create a foundation, a strong foundation to stand on, to then be able to reach for your vision and start to do the work about looking forward and going, well, what's calling me? What do I really want? So we create that strong foundation with a strong sense of appreciation for your life. And then we move to inspiration, which is an emotion that many people have lost touch with. You know, when you're kids, you live your whole life by inspiration. 
like everything you do is because you're called by inspiration because it's going to be fun. It's going to make you laugh. It's going to feel exciting. It's going to feel naughty or dangerous. There's a calling of inspiration. So we start to gently get you back in touch with those things that give you that sense of energy and that make you feel youthful and make you feel excited. And uh, it's kind of like lifting muscles, like one arm, we're going appreciation. The other arm, we're going inspiration. And then once we have kind of reconnected you with that energy, then it's time to look at your purpose. What's your life purpose? And I have a, a different way of looking at this than how I was raised to look at purpose, which is it's not a project or a organization that you're going to start or a role that you're going to have. Your purpose is a unique way of being that you have that uplifts and empowers other people and that puts you in the flow of life. It taps you into the magic of life and also taps other people into their magic, into that flow of life. And this is a really important point. And I'm glad we got here because like you said, you know, when we met, we've been like this for each other, where it's when you're living in alignment with your purpose, there are many times when all you have to do is show up. Even when your mind is going, you need to be doing more, you need to be more planned and you, know, you should be doing better. All you have to do is show up and be there and be present with the other person or with the problem you're finding a solution for and magic happens. And so like for me and you, you know, I haven't given you that many different surfing tips, but there's something with my presence of being there that empowered you to improve your surfing, to be in the right place at the right time. You know, we just went surfing at that point that you hadn't been to before. It's just having someone, I was with you during that journey and it empowered you to be there. And now you, you go there on your own. I had tried to go there by myself on another occasion, but I got to the lookout and I looked across and I couldn't see anyone else out there. I didn't know where the spot to go out is. I didn't know if there's any submerged objects or dangers. And I turned around and went back to the place that I know. So you were literally the guide. Having the confidence that you'd been there before and that there's someone there to watch out makes all the difference. It made all the difference. And those waves were not small when we got out there. They were a decent size. And I remember the second time we went, you talk about risk takers. Remember I took a board that I'd ordered that was a complete risk. It's the only one of its kind ever made. It's a different size than normal and it's a different shape, a different design than normal. And it came out a little bit different than even what I thought it might be, that it shouldn't necessarily be that good for most conditions. I said to you on the way out there, this is either going to be a disaster or it's going to be amazing. There's no middle ground here. And it was totally unproven, untested. And I'd put my own, I'd backed it with my own money and hypothesis. And when I took off on that wave out there and got the longest wave and the fastest wave on that board, I was like, just couldn't believe it. It was like everything aligned. Mm -hmm. So I backed myself and I took the risk and I got the payoff. But at the same time, if it went the other way, if it was a disaster, then I would have just sold the board off like I'd done before when I can't make a board work and moved on and just, you know, tidied up and reconciled it as um you know, another attempt at cracking the, the formula and keep looking for it, which is what I've progressively done. I've had to get to the point where I was able to hypothesize and make that one work has taken considerable time and energy and investment, but I got there and I'm super excited. Like we were able to engineer a stratospheric success by having a process and putting in the work and taking risks. I think you've said it really well. 
doing a program like you have is risky because you're going to discover yourself. You have to step away from all the masks and all the layers of insulation, the alcohol, the caffeine, the social media, the Netflix. you got to confront yourself and get there. And yes, every time you and I hang out, it is magic. I'm sure it's like there's a special connection. I don't know. I can't even explain it. But I just know that good things will happen. I, I love talking to you about what you're doing in your business and some of the ideas that I can help you with and even just letting people know about it is something I can do. But the reason I commit myself when uh, we surf together is because I have a lot of gratitude for the opportunity that's been presented to me. Like, I don't know how hard it would be to actually find a surf instructor to come along and give me some tips to meet me at the right time, whatever, but like we've somehow managed to arrive at it and, and, and vice versa for you to have someone show up and just guide you through a pretty well-worn path of growing your business. Um, it's like that's what I do for a living. So we just really uh, we had a good fit. But I love yeah. sharing your presence. People will have made a decision already listening to this or watching this, wherever they're consuming this podcast, as to – Rick Cowley, and uh, if you're a good person to talk to, I think the next appropriate step would be, I've got to share you, Rick. I have to share you with the others. Like if you could tell people how we can get in touch with you and find out more about your program, I'd be delighted if people follow that. If it's tugging on them and they feel like they're ready for it, you've already explained they need to be ready for it. It's time to face your fears and turn them into your favor. How do they get in touch? The best way is to either just go to my website, which is visionquest.com. And vision is spelled with a Y, V-Y-S-I-O-N quest.com. Or email me at rick at visionquest.com. And let's hop on a call. And in these calls, I just like to you know meet you, hear what's going on in your life and answer any questions that you have about Vision Quest, basically see if you're a good fit for Vision Quest, if it could be a good next step for you. If it is, I'll say so. If not, I will just help however I can and point you in the right direction. I think people value my own sort of judgment. And what I've done from my own personal experience was enough for me to recommend to my own audience that they get in touch. And when I did, the feedback from that's been great. I'm absolutely 100% convinced now that you've been a tremendous benefit for the people who came on board with you. So thank you for looking after those people. Uh, preserving my own reputation and uh, backing my judgment. It's, uh, it was another a huge win. When we find good people, that's all we can ask for, We're good people who know what they're doing. And if you can guide people down this path where they're stuck, this is great. I appreciate you coming on the show. And I don't know if you've uh, put it as your intention to come on my show more than once, but I'm sure it's a possibility in the future. Cool. That sounds fantastic. Thanks, Rick. So yeah. we're going to put this episode up at episode 901. Is there anything uh, you want to retrace or go through? We've put the transcription there at superfastbusiness.com. If you know someone who's feeling a bit lost or in a funk and you think they might gain some wisdom from this discussion, or if you know someone who's a surfer and hasn't been able to get barreled yet, send them off to episode 901 at superfastbusiness.com and uh, all the answers are there. Thank you very much. Thanks, James. Discover how to build your business super fast. Check out superfastbusiness.com.